0: Welcome cinematic the podcast where we analyse depictions of mental illness and disability in popular film and TV. Before we start, this podcast is not designed to be therapeutic, prescriptive or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener. For a longer version of this disclaimer, please visit the episode notes on your podcast app. You're with Stephanie again, and with us is also the fabulous Maz Phanasia.
1: Hello, hello, it's so good to be back.
0: Welcome back to the potty.
1: It feels like home, you know, (laughs) it's always meant to be. This is our first interstate recording. Yes, this is difficult for me, but... uh,
0: (laughs) It's difficult for me too. We're
1: working it out, we're working on it, it's fine.
0: So, just a little bit of an update on what's happening with Psycho-Cinematic lately. We have a Patreon now, which is awkward. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like asking people for stuff. No,
1: He should. It's fine. I also set up a Twitter account. I've made two tweets. Oh my God, I love that. I don't understand how to use Twitter at all. It's very confusing for me, but I reckon you could manage it. Maybe you can manage it for me. Yeah, okay. Be a PR agent. I also set up
0: a Facebook group, but there's nothing going on yet, so I'll make it more exciting. So Merz, before we get into what we're doing today, is there anything you've been watching recently? That isn't necessarily
1: mental illness or disability? Um, I watched uh, a show called The Third Day. Oh. With, um, what's his name? Jude Law? Who's that? Is that Alfie? Yeah, he's the, yeah. the young Pope too. You love that show? Oh, I love the young Pope. Um, Yeah, that was good. It was, it's like sci-fi, I don't even know. And I've been watching Snowpiercer, the show. Oh, what is it like? It's good. I enjoy it a lot, but I hate the main character. But it's also got... Jennifer Connelly, she is amazing and she's really, really good. Really enjoying her. Um, and other than that, I've been watching um, Gordon Ramsay, so. Okay. <laughs> that's a mental illness there for you. Let's, no, I, I don't do real life people that are alive. Very traumatic show for everyone involved. But apparently he's had to tone it down because he had a heart attack. That's <laughs> and I, I do see the difference. He's a lot, a lot kinder.
0: Maybe that's why he suddenly appeared on MasterChef finally. I don't watch MasterChef anymore. I stopped watching it too. But what I do watch is Keeping Up With The Kardashians now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to finish season 14. Jesus Steph.
1: To be fair I don't always actually actively watch it it's just no, on. It's an enjoyable show like there's a reason why it's been around for so long it's just it's pretty good. The little each episode problems are oh
0: usually so stupid like Chris Jenner decides she wants to be cremated and turned into a diamond for an episode like wow I wish my life was that exciting. But what have you been watching other than that? Well, I've been to the movies twice in the last twice. 72 hours, so I saw Another Round, which was pretty good, Mads Mikkelsen, and today I went and saw Promising
1: Young Woman, definitely worth watching. Maybe you watching any shows because I actually need shows?
0: Michael and I are watching Luca Guadagnino's show We Are Who We Are, which is on SBS On Demand. It's kind of about, you know, coming of age and discovering who you are and what your sexuality and, and your gender is. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm also watching Search Party, but I'm not
1: oh my God. interested oh, as much. Yeah, you're going to love it. It's so good. So good. Oh, we have different opinions. Oh, what? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Maz, what what are we looking at today? A little show called The Queen's Gambit. Ha. The Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit spectacular. I started watching this
0: intending to do it with Michael and then um, I realized there was so much mental illness and addiction in it. I was just perfect um, for it. Specifically and I was like you can talk to this and like I picked it because it's very popular at the moment. Oh my god it's actually insane. Yeah apparently like sales of chess have skyrocketed as a result.
1: I think the pandemic was well timed with oh the release God, yeah. of
0: the show though.
1: It was it's like the 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 kind of like Tiger King effect of like get everyone at home, release a show. Like Tiger King's different obviously, but like yeah, release a show that is gonna be good and everyone is gonna watch it. You just can't escape it. Yeah. Um
0: and apparently It was watched by 62 million households in its first 28 days, which
1: is the most ever for a scripted series on Netflix. It's fucking ridiculous. It's pretty crazy. Just before we recorded this, I was thinking about, like, why is this show so popular? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Why do you think that's? Well, I was just reading a little bit. um, Well, the director. Who's it directed by? It was written and directed by Scott Frank and co-created by Alan Scott. Scott, Scott. So Scott has written some iconic movies, Marley and Me. Oh, Marley and Me. Uh, Logan and Minority Report uh, yeah, Oh is an example. But I don't know, maybe because it's a limited series, like this doesn't really leave any room for there to be more episodes. It's like one and done, which is what I want more from series. Yes, exactly. And um, it
0: looks, it feels like a movie. It does. Yeah. I did actually think it was a movie initially, and then I realized it wasn't. <laughs>
1: And, like, costume, set design, really, really great. Very Mad Men feels. um, Yeah, true, true. And very good cinematography. Um, What's the lead actress's name?
0: Anya Taylor-Joy, who's famous for being in The Vivitch. The Vivitch, yeah. Have you seen The The Vivitch? Vivitch, Yes. No, I have not watched The Vavitch. Oh, I see The
1: Vivitch. (laughs) Uh, okay. I'll watch The Vivitch. It's very good. She's a good actress, and I've also read some criticism about the movie being, like, it was too pretty. (laughs) The movie, the show. I read similar, yes. Yeah, she's too pretty, <laughs> but it yeah, it's just like this very um the way she moves her body and moves the chest pieces, the way she stares at the camera is just like overly feminine, like delicate, very mm, graceful, true, um, very a little bit yeah. twee even like. Yeah, I can see a lot of young girls
0: like wanting to dress like her and have the same hair like her yeah. after watching yeah. this for sure. But it it's not the most sensational story like no it's not at
1: all it's about chess (laughs) I know and they make chess seem so much more interesting than actually (laughs) but like I what I've said to people is like it could literally be about any game true like I don't give a fuck about chess (laughs) (laughs) well it's like
0: I read somewhere else like it's it's like a sports story you know someone trying to get up in the ranks and then making the touchdown or whatever but it's chess instead
1: yeah it's like a journey and that's wonderful what's your journey with chess maz you taught me how to play chess when i was young i do remember you teaching me how to play chess i do not remember that <laughs> I, Well, i do it's very important for me how um, old were you look anywhere between like four and ten i just <laughs> have no <laughs> idea <laughs> i joined the chess club with my
0: bestie at the time out uh, when we started high school because we didn't know anyone, so mm. we thought we would join the chess club, and we were the, like so probably cute. the only girls in it. And we just went there in lunchtimes because <laughs> we had nothing else to do. <laughs> and then once we started having to compete in tournaments, we're like, oh fuck this, <laughs> we
1: quit. Oh my god, tournaments! No, I couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah.
0: I did hear that Heath Ledger was supposed to yes, direct yeah. the adaptation, he, and then he and then he died. Yeah. And Elliot Page was supposed to be yes. the star. So what's your history
1: with chess, Steph? You just told me. I just told you. You <laughs> <laughs> just told me. But other than the, uh, the you teaching me, I don't really have any interest or, like, I'm fine with chess. My housemate um, and very close friend, Philippe, loves chess and will just play chess on his phone on the toilet for, like, hours. <laughs> um, and he used to bring out his chessboard at parties or just like when we're just like hanging out with people and it would be really frustrating because we're like, Philip, we're trying to like chat. Like, can you not <laughs> play chess right now? So <laughs> I've um, I've always been a little bit like chess negative in that way. Hmm. I
0: don't think I've picked it up since high school. Like I haven't played a game since then.
1: I've played a few games with Philip. I've indulged him. But what, like he's getting better, you know. He's moving on. Moving on to other games. No, not really, but he's just not as annoying about it. Should we talk about the plot? Yes. The show starts off
0: telling the story of nine-year-old Beth Harmon, who's lost her mum in a car crash, which seems to be self-inflicted, and has to grow up in a strict orphanage. It seems her single mum had some mental health issues as she struggles to look after Beth, and during flashbacks we hear her say some pretty harsh truths to Beth, like someday you're going to be all alone, so you need to learn to take care of yourself and that people shouldn't be trusted etc so while she's at this orphanage she befriends the building's custodian mr scheibel when she watches him play chess what's his
1: actual job i don't know if he like i think he's just like a janitor like he just he just sits downstairs he seems to just sit and drink chair, and play chess all day yeah good for him like good job yeah so she demands
0: to be told how to play by him
1: Very forcefully, yeah.
0: Very, Yeah, she's a bit bit of a bitch as a kid. (laughs) In the orphanage, the kids are given daily tranquilizer pills, which one of her, like, bullies at the time, but becomes a really good friend, Jolene, the token black
1: girl,
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, lets her know, she lets her know that they work better at night. So Beth starts taking them at night and she uses them to help her hallucinate chess moves and she becomes quite addicted. Uh, She starts getting really good at chess and impresses another school. Eventually, she gets adopted at 14 by Alma and Alton Wheatley. Alton is very absent and eventually leaves Alma, who clearly has some alcohol dependency issues, and she's often quote-unquote unwell. So it indicates maybe some mental illness as well, like depression uh, or just alcohol problems. But Alma and Beth develop a strong bond. Beth encourages Alma to take her to tournaments to earn money and they do, and Beth starts climbing the ranks and meeting lots of competitors in her way. Uh, Beth is also taking Alma's Trankies at this time too. Trank Queen. Alma's tendency to drink has influenced Beth, and she soon develops an alcohol dependency. Alma eventually dies of hepatitis, which is alcohol-related, and she's given the house by Alton, who then wants it back, but then she eventually buys it off him. There's a subplot of Beth being into fellow player Towns, who is gay, but it's not like explicitly stated.
1: Yeah, it took me a really long time to cotton on to that. Yeah, me I just, too. Even when it was kind of like, oh, there was that guy in the room. Yeah, his friend who is supposed to like be his boyfriend, maybe possibly. I in my head, I was still like, yeah, they're still going to end up together. It was never
0: really. Like, why not? It's
1: 2020. I just, yeah, I think there's this idea that she couldn't end up with him because he's seeing a man, but I'm like, yeah, so what? He can still, whatever. That's true, too, yeah.
0: Also, her and another player, Beltic, become a thing as she becomes his protege. but he leaves her because he can see that she's too obsessed with chess, so Beltic can also see that she's becoming an alcoholic. Towards the end of the series, she's taken in by under Benny Wattswing, who is the oh US national champion, God, and played by Thomas Sangster Brody, <laughs>
1: who I cannot take seriously. Bitch. Like, I, okay, so I, I did figure out that he was in it before I watched it, but as soon as I saw his face, I was I vomited. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he he did a great job in this show, he but he just badly. he still looks eight
0: (laughs) he's supposed to be like a cool uh, intimidating dude yeah Yeah. no I'm not feeling it anyway she seems to get her drinking and drug taking under control as she stays with him as she plans to defeat the world champion Borgov she fails the first time in Paris as she relapses the night before as she's seduced by the French Cleo who's played by Kaya Scoladero who's Effie from Skins oh my god Mm mm-hmm and she has the worst French accent. I did.
1: Well, I bought it, obviously, because <laughs> <laughs> I
0: thought it was terrible. Um, so she loses the match to him in Paris, has a huge binge, then gets back on the horse and ends up winning against the world champion in Moscow with a little help from all of her chess friends. <laughs> so, first category is Was it played by anyone with lived experience? I guess not just who's playing it but the creator of the show so did you find any information because I couldn't find anything on the director or writer of this series but I did find a lot about the writer of the book
1: the author was is it William Tevis yes so I had information about William Tevis who incorporated his own personal experience with addiction into the novel um he was diagnosed with heart problems (laughs) um rheumatic heart something yeah he was he received regular doses of sedative phenobarbital Um, so barbitol I think is like um what a lot of people used to take before they started taking benzos so it's similar Mm -hmm. type of drug and it often goes with addicts um you often prescribe something to help you and then you get addicted to it It just happens a lot so yeah that's his I read something that was like I loved them he was just like these are the best things oh look honestly I get it so he's he's talking about his own experiences um and I can definitely see that especially taking it from a young age and then forming an addiction so it's In that way, positive. (laughs) I also read that Beth was based on Bobby Fischer, who had a
0: very similar trajectory of Mm -hmm. a chess career. So he was super young. He was like the youngest grandmaster or whatever they call it. I listened to a podcast called We're All Mad Here, which is fantastic. They talk about the history of mental illness, um, and they cover Queen's Gambit and mental illness in high-ranking chess players, and there's so many of them that was said to be mentally ill, and Mm. so many of them suicided, which is pretty fucked
1: up. It's insane. Like, it's just fucking chess, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Something about the game, I think, it's very serious and very intense um, and has, like, this history and tradition about it that just seems like, yeah. But when you really look at it, it's just a fucking (laughs) game.
0: I feel like, though, it's one of those things where there's, like, a, a trajectory and um, like one move can make all the difference, and there's so much pressure on each yeah. move, and you just you're sort of sucked into this world where everything counts. Yeah,
1: I look obviously don't know anything about chess, and I'm gonna get cancelled by like people who love chess. Well, that's but. why we
0: watch this movie so we find out. Although I had no idea what was going on in the chess games every time.
1: Okay, look, it, like, stylistically, it was lovely, but I just... It could have been. could have been anything. They could have been playing, like, connect 4. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Would have been just as interesting, probably. I, f- I did hear some stuff on Anya Taylor-Joy that she has had a little bit of a history of difficult life events. She said she... Um, Her move from Argentina where she grew up to London was traumatic. Probably not the same thing as what Beth goes through. So she's a human. (laughs) But a major move cross-continental can be a huge traumatic experience. Yeah, especially Argentina. Yeah, totally different. Culture shock. She also said she had a panic attack on set while filming Emma because of the intensity of the shoot, so... Maybe she has a bit of anxiety. Mm, she's one, of us. one of us. She's one of us. <laughs> so not so much addiction, but she definitely has some experiences of mental ill health. But she, I did get some quotes from her that sounds like she did a bit of research about addiction and she said that, which is, you know, very reasonable what she said. Something that I found fascinating about addiction is whatever it was that you were using these things to self-medicate for, it worked for a period of time. That's why you were doing it. What destroys you is when it stops working, which it inevitably will. That's when your life goes completely off the rails. So it was fascinating to figure out the why she was doing it, if that makes sense. Is she drinking right now because she feels incredibly isolated? Is she partaking in the pills because she thinks this is the only way she's going to win this? So, yeah, it sounds like she got ahead in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, like, doing – she has a foundation of understanding. It's good that she – wasn't just playing the character like this is bad what she's doing it's it's awful she's actually thinking you know of course I would do this as Beth like this is
1: a normal thing yeah it's just making it more personal and also I think that's very often in like portrayals of addiction there isn't any understanding of why it's flippantly used sometimes in that way where it's just like okay you're an you're an addicted person but actually exploring the reason why and the trauma and her whole experience. Um, isn't that common? Yeah, that's true. Most
0: movies, like, I'm tr- I'm just thinking of um, leaving Las Vegas and it's been a-, a very long time since I've seen it. It's basically his addiction. And I don't remember there being any backstory. Just, this is just who he is and, whoa, isn't he really fucked up? Like, there's not a lot of movies that actually go back and explain. Well, let's move on to the accuracy of the portrayal of mental illness because what we do know she definitely has is drug and alcohol addiction and dependence, or what is actually classified in the DSM as substance use disorder. Mm -hmm. So I'll just briefly go through that criteria, but it's pretty obvious that she meets it. Mr. psychologist. So to meet the criteria of severe substance use disorder, she needs to meet six or more of these criteria. There's about 12, I think. She definitely needs this. So, firstly, taking the substance in larger amounts for, for longer than you meant to. Um, so, she definitely s- seems to need more and more of mm-hmm. the alcohol. Definitely. She has heaps in her cup. Uh, she drinks super quickly. By the last episode, she has huge benders. And she stores a lot of the tranks when she's younger to take more and more. Another one is wanting to cut down or stop using the substance but not managing to. Mm-hmm. So, like, when she's in the orphanage and they stop giving out the tranquilizers,
1: she's like, nah, I can't handle it. And then she goes into the big yeah. the big, comically large <laughs> glass jar of pills. Um, look, love for the, the effect of the movie, wonderful. Historical accuracy or just accuracy in general, probably not. But I'm into it. Yeah, and it just shows what she's willing to put herself through
0: to get more. Yes. Third criteria: spending a lot of time getting, using, or recovering from use of the substance. We definitely saw her getting and using. We didn't really see much recovering. No. Cravings and urges to use the substance. This is something she definitely talks about, especially towards the end of which what she really wants is a drink and stuff like that. Fifth is not managing to do what you should at work, home, or school because of substance use.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This one, she's actually quite high functioning. Like she Extremely. uses the drugs to succeed in chess. But then she goes too far and that puts a spanner in it. So it does end up impacting her functioning eventually.
1: Home life seems to be okay until she has a bit of a spiral and then home life is bad. But, yeah, she's all in all doing great in that regard.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Continuing to use even when it causes problems in relationships, I feel like that doesn't really happen quite as much. Apart
1: from with Beltic, Key leaves because... He thinks she needs help. It doesn't seem like it does cause many problems in her relationship, but she has very strange, complex relationships that aren't... It's more her relationships
0: that are a problem rather than the drugs making it a problem. Yeah. Also, giving up important social, occupational, recreational activities because of substance use, she kind of...
1: It's more the opposite for her. Like, she engages in those things with the substance use. The only time it's a problem is when she um, misses that, like, inconsequential (gasps) tournament. Yes. Um, But that's it. That's, yeah. But, I mean, that's also common. Like,
0: it can just happen not all the time, but sometimes. Yeah. Using substances again and again, even when it puts you in danger. Yeah, she, like, when she was a kid, she shoved, like, a handful of tranquilizers in her mouth, which was a bit silly. A bit silly. Obviously, she OD'd. Continuing to use him when you know you have a physical or psychological problem that could have been caused or made worse by the substance. We don't really see her have necessarily
1: physical problems, but maybe just her when she goes on a bender. It's a little bit hard because it seems as though, and until the end of the show really when things start to spiral, she doesn't really have any negative effects from them. Yeah, she's kind of doing great. <laughs> yeah, in the in like the process of the tv show they're helping her they're actually like what she needs to succeed we don't see any physical withdrawal symptoms or anything so why wouldn't she continue to use yeah if they're they're, apparently so wonderful although she does see her foster mum deteriorate
0: and obviously die from alcoholism so i guess seeing that didn't necessarily stop her from drinking so you could make that case and lastly, two more, needing more of the substance to get the effect you want, which you kind of touched on, like she takes more and more as she goes along. Yeah. And then development of withd- withdrawal symptoms, which can be relieved by taking more of the substance. And, again, we didn't really see these apart from being hung over that one time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely meets the criteria. I think we should also just touch on what drugs she's actually taking. Yeah. Um. So it's like a fake drug in the show.
1: I think apparently the the way that it looks actually is quite similar to the actual drug, but it's weird because she starts taking this fake drug called what was it Xanzolam. Yeah, which um, I don't remember but hearing. Then, but <laughs> yeah, neither do I. It's just a green pill. Mm. Um, and then all the articles are like, "What's the green pill? What's the deal with the green pill?" Yeah, the green there's pills? so many articles like, "What are these green pills?" Green. Yeah, it's like, guys, chill. Um, but then when she's in, I think I think she's in Mexico. She actually asks for Librium. That's right. Which yeah, is a real drug so it's a it's an early one of the like one of the first synthesized benzodiazepines well done (laughs) so it Librium was first synthesized i think it was like discovered by accident or something um and then yeah of course and then valium was um came after that so benzos like Librium and Valium were once they were kind of discovered in the 60s um were marketed to housewives a lot of women as I don't know what the quote is it's like the the cure for being a woman or something cure for the common woman (laughs) yeah basically it's just like women feeling just dissatisfied and because life sucks especially if you're living in the 60s in America so let's Let's just quieten them down and make them zombies. Make them, like, just a little bit happier and a little bit more subservient. Stepford wives. So those are the drugs she is taking and being prescribed Mm -hmm. as a nine-year-old. Which is fucked up. Very fucked up. She definitely meets criteria
0: for alcohol and librium dependence. But as Maz and I strongly believe, and also what science knows to be true, is that drug or alcohol dependence is often a way of coping with an underlying mental health issue. Mm-hmm. So what might it be? What could it be? I do think she's go she goes through grief over her foster mother dying.
1: Yeah, and she doesn't seem to have any grief about her actual mother dying. Not like, obviously, we don't really see it. We don't spend that much time with her as a young person but like she doesn't seem to cry or really show any emotion. Well
0: let me tell you why I think that's the case Mads. Oh
1: bitch okay. (laughs) That's probably because
0: I think that what her mental diagnosis might be is complex trauma and a disrupted attachment from her mother. So it sounds like her mum was quite unwell herself and not necessarily the most affectionate, nurturing mum who gave her what she needed. So that probably developed a little bit of a disrupted attachment that Beth had with people in general, with like relationships in general, like a okay. a model for not
1: wanting to attach to people, which is kind of why she's so aloof. Okay, so that's like a response to, to not having a very affectionate or caring parent
0: yeah I guess it's kind of like emotional and maybe physical neglect and what happens to kids who have that experience like childhood abuse or neglect is they can develop what's called complex PTSD or complex trauma it's actually not in the DSM Mm. but it will be released with the ICD-11 which is the other diagnostic uh, manual for disorders. What do you prefer? Which one do you prefer? I use the DSM because it's more widely accepted, but they both mm-hmm. have flaws.
1: we not we'll not get into it. That's a whole podcast worth. That's
0: <laughs> a whole other episode. Um but bluenot.org.au has a lot of information about it and says that sometimes a parent or caregiver has their own trauma still affecting them for example, from mental oh. illness, from drug or alcohol misuse or from being emotionally unavailable, and that can cause complex trauma. Um, it's not just children who might experience too. It can be adults who go through war or domestic violence or b- being a refugee, and it's so common. <laughs> it's not given, like, it's it's not even in the DSM and there's so much that is to be said for it. So
1: Honestly, it's like look, this is like a dumb take, but like I'm just living my life on social media or whatever, but everyone's just got so much trauma. Like, mm-hmm. Part of the
0: trauma is just living this year. Yeah. <laughs> so Beth's trauma, like why I think she probably has this, is obviously she survives a pretty traumatic car crash. Her mother was behind the wheel and seems like she intentionally did that yes she doesn't have any family left there's like question mark over the father and I think someone in the orphanage says he
1: was yet another victim of a carefree life I don't know what that means (laughs) I was convinced I thought that was going to be a big twist at the end that um Alston is that his name yeah was actually her father. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was what I thought was going to happen. And, like, because... I thought maybe it would have been, like, Mr. Scheibel or something. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well, that would make more sense. But um, the mother says that it was actually his idea to adopt her. So I think she was just trying to make Beth feel better maybe. But I was like, oh, my God, is that why he adopted her? Oh, my God. Because he's secretly her dad.
0: Yeah. But obviously she knew that, like, she was told that he died but he was alive. So she sees, she knows he's around somewhere, uh, or or was anyway. So knowing that she was not wanted by her father like that. Yes. Fucks you up. Also the neglect of being in the orphanage and not, you know, being able to
1: be your own person. The the neglect of being
0: drugged. Being drugged every day. I could do it. I wonder, what does that do to the development of a child's brain? Well, that's a big part. I guess that's more complex developmental trauma, particularly over the in the first three years of a child's life. It's a really critical time. So if if you're going through any of this stuff at that time, it can really um, impact the child's developmental growth cognitively, physically and emotionally and socially. Mm-hmm. So I, I've worked with a lot of kids where they have diagnoses of things like anxiety, ADHD, other developmental disorders. And when you look at their history, you can definitely make a link between what they've gone through and those things. Yeah. Because their brain is most vulnerable then, but it can also be the most malleable as well and and improve, like develop back because it's so flexible then, but often it's too late. It just keeps going bad. Doesn't mean that you can't recover and improve from trauma, but it's a lot harder as you get older, really. Oh, also another uh, evidence point is that her mum seems to have some mental illness, doesn't seem to take care of herself. Yes. Also, she was a mathematician with a PhD. She's not very affectionate. She goes on these really negative rants about stuff. So that would have definitely made an impact. And interestingly, adults with childhood trauma are more likely to have substance use disorders than those without.
1: I I didn't read that much about PTSD, CPTSD, a little bit, Um, but- 14 times more likely.
0: 14 times. That's insane. A-
1: according to what I read.
0: So I'll just briefly mention the symptoms of complex PTSD. Sorry, PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. I should make sure I say that. So CPTSD has six symptoms and three are also the same as PTSD. So the first one is intrusions, which is like past flashbacks or, or just memories and experiences, mm-hmm. which I think happens throughout the show
1: yes unless it's just for the um the viewer but i doubt that well it seems like she gets
0: that's specifically a flashback at the in the the last episode when she finds out that her mom wanted the car crash to happen avoidance is another one which is more like withdrawing from others and using ways to numb yourself from
1: emotions like avoiding emotions yeah she seems to do that quite a bit that's why she's taking drugs. I think that's the problem I had with her. Well, actually, no, it's not the problem I had. Like seeing her at school and all the girls, she like you know the girls didn't like her. They were kind of bullying her a little bit, but she just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like she was like, okay, cool. Yeah. And then obviously she goes to their house. Um, for that they're like watching some dumb show or whatever. Oh, their um pledge party. Yeah. And she just doesn't want to be there. She's like, no, nah, I'm out.
0: Yeah, she's got no qualms. Like she's not trying to yeah. be friends with them at all. Another major symptom of PTSD and CPTSD is hyperarousal, um, which is where that sense of threat that you get, that fight or flight response when you're mm-hmm. you're being threatened, is activated all the time. Like it's your resting state is being aroused, not sexually, Well, not usually, but your anxiety response is on all the time. Yeah, constantly. Because as a child, Beth probably was never considered safe, couldn't trust her environment or people around her. And you kind of get that from Beth. She never really fully relaxes unless she's by herself. No, she doesn't seem
1: to be relaxed at all, ever.
0: No, unless she's in complete control. Like when she's with some of the dudes And she's kind of playing them a little bit. She feels in control. And maybe chess is where she feels in control. And that's where she can really relax. Oh,
1: my God, Steph. Because it's all like you
0: can trust that this move will make this thing happen.
1: And it probably makes sense as to why she's drawn to it because it's a logical game with a conclusion. There's no sense of threat or, I don't know, just talking shit.
0: (laughs) No, I I think you're absolutely right. It's beginning, middle, and end done. The fourth symptom is emotional dysregulation. So being able to sort of regulate your emotions is usually a problem, which often drugs can be used to assist with. Mm -hmm. And I think you see that in her that she's very all or nothing, like when she loses the game against the top, fucking player in the world she goes on a massive bender like she overreacts
1: she doesn't seem to be quite used to losing because she doesn't really we never really see her lose no and
0: that's probably sort of relates to the next symptom which is that negative self-concept so for her she like has to win she's got that ongoing sense that she's worthless so if she doesn't win she's nothing you know like she's a perfectionist because she can't hit
1: like she's just got that She's gotta beat that shame and guilt. She um she loses to of in Paris, and then it's like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to Russia. No, nah. it's like Honey, I'm just gonna fuck my life up and drink. Yeah.
0: Try again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, like with that self concept, she kind of tries on personalities a little bit. Like at the pledge party, she's just like, no, like I'm not, I'm not gonna bend to what other people like. And then when she's having a bender, she's gone all sixties and she's got the makeup.
1: In her eyes. Oh, and then she, she shows up to that um, that little tournament that doesn't mean anything in that horrible makeup. Yeah,
0: she's,
1: like, trying things on, like,
0: maybe this is who I am. <laughs> and lastly, disturbance in relationships. So having difficulties in forming and sustaining a good relationship or a connection with people. And you really only see her trust her foster mum. And, you know, even then she, she her foster mum is she's kind of, in it for herself as well with, with Beth.
1: Yeah. I like, I like their relationship. It's like quite sweet, but at the same time, I like, I was, I'm glad it didn't turn out that there was going to be like some, um, like fight or something that happened. And she gets really greedy because she like obviously was in it in the, like initially, mm. um, so they could win money. Um, but she's, you know, it's quite a sweet relationship, but it's not, it's still very closed off. Yeah. They have an
0: understanding and they have, like... They have a connection because they see a bit of themselves in each other. Yeah, but it's not super, super tight, like... They could still be happily... Without each other,
1: and maybe that's like the what's what's so sweet about it is that they're kind of both like independent of each other, and
0: and she yeah she obviously really misses her like she wears her robe and
1: she doesn't seem to express affection as easily as other people. No, and like obviously we see
0: her having sex quite a bit, but not necessarily attached to those people. But that's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, that's good for her.
0: <laughs> but also like Mr. Scheibel is someone who obviously really looked out for her. And had a connection with her. And he was probably the first person that she connected with, again, like very coldly. <laughs> yeah, he's a dick. <laughs> a bit of a dick. But then she finds out, oh, he, like he followed her entire career and he cared a lot about it. Yeah, Maybe he could so have sent her a fucking
1: letter, but anyway. <laughs> I know, right? Like, come on. Like if you're that obsessed with someone, just like, you know, reach out. Reach out. So, yeah, I think she
0: has complex PTSD. Actually borderline personality disorder and CPTSD can look very similar.
1: I have heard this. I have heard this. Yes, actually. I think there's like in terms of the criteria of meeting it there's only like one one or two differences really like diagnostically. Yeah, they're very very similar. And there's some people that believe that
0: CPTSD is actually what borderline borderline is. Um but I won't go into that cuz um I kind of, I I do actually agree, but that's another podcast episode for another time too. So what do you think, Maz? Do you think that
1: makes sense or do you have any other ideas? I think that makes sense. This is uh, something that I felt like I picked up on watching it, but also I'm not an expert because you are, but she does seem in my limited understanding to have some autistic traits, Mm. um, which I found very interesting. And not much written in terms of, like, I don't know, uh, journal articles or whatever, but more people with autism talking about how they see her um, portrayed and her Mm behaviour, they have picked up that she seems to be coded as autistic. What sort of things in the movie made you or do people? The show. No, show. From my perspective, just um, kind of the way she doesn't really respond to people and doesn't really give a fuck, um, she seems – as though she's not she's not processing emotions as uh, ad- another person would, um, but I was reading an article on a blog called Accidentally Autistic, um, and it talks about people who are coded as autistic in film, but and show TV shows but aren't specifically playing an autistic character. Oh, I want to read this. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. Um and it's it's more talking about how it's a positive thing rather than negative because it's not central to her plot development or her identity as a character. True. Um it's representing them in a like a non-problematic way. That their autism isn't problematic is what I mean. But there was a list of things that this person had written that she doesn't really doesn't respond to social cues. She asks for clarification um, when people are asking her questions. Like she can't really read between the lines. Um, she's disinterested in socialising. She clearly has a disregard for gender norms, which is the whole, you know, a lot to do with the premise of the show because she doesn't give a fuck that she's a woman. She will go up against the She's men. super confident that way, which I don't know how yes, you could insanely confident. Could have done that. I would have been so intimidated. But anyway, yeah. Totally. And an abnormal ability in one particular area. So that's her being Good at chess. Very keen. Yeah, very keen on her special interest and being very um, obsessed with it. But I also wonder if that's
0: just how you are good at chess. Like you really have to live and breathe it to be that good at it. It might
1: be part of the game, yeah. There's an instance when Beltic um kisses her and she like goes to kiss her and she kind of like is stunned and takes a a step back and he's like i'm sorry and she's like no i wasn't ready and then it's like now nah, i'm ready so it's like she it, once she was prepared for physical contact she's into it mm. it has to do i think goes into people with autism have a lot of sensory issues and maybe not picking up on that social cue beforehand that she could see that he was gonna kiss her yeah
0: but also ask for permission first dudes
1: just after that when she has sex with she they have sex and then she starts reading a book like straight away. So it's like, I don't know, but at the same time, it could be just her being really into chess. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But no, I think think what you're
0: saying makes sense too. Like there's that not reading the – or not necessarily acting on the cues in the room of what would be looking at it from another person's shoes, that theory of mind she might lack.
1: But it also I think goes into what we were saying before about how she is almost – trying on or trying out a personality or trying out who she's going to be because she um I hear this a lot. I look on on TikTok, I get I have some reason, I think it's because I've got ADHD and it's like tailored towards that as well. It's like neurodivergent TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so I get a lot of people talking about autism on TikTok um and talking about masking and how she's not so much she's like studying behavior and kind of imitating mm-hmm. it and dulling her or suppressing her tendencies but I don't really know much about masking the head I don't really what's what what even is that correct me if if I'm wrong with
0: with this way of thinking about it but it's kind of like hiding in the background because you sort of don't stand out you look like you're the same as everyone else because you've picked up on what's
1: expected of you yeah it's it's like Im- mimicking or imitating behavior like just like kind of like t- keeping like intense eye contact and just like how a neurotypical person would but obviously, like, the, it's not the natural way that they would behave.
0: Yeah. Like, often, like, I've worked with children with autism who, in the classroom, you wouldn't even know they have autism. Like, they, they just yeah. go with the group. Often they're females, too. Like, it's hard to diagnose autism in girls more than boys because it presents in a – it's more masked. And then when they go home – it comes out mm-hmm. they'll go home and have a massive meltdown or um do their special interest thing repeatedly and things like that and it's like this is the context where i have to be like everybody else and then this
1: context is different now so i can like relax into my autism you know? and uh, yeah i think that has a lot to do with like women especially in like just having to confine to gender norms mm-hmm. which we have to do anyway right yeah they like women are expected to act in a certain way so it kind of it's an extension of that totally That's just how I watched it. She just seemed like she was exhibiting those traits.
0: I'm with you on that. I think you could totally make the case that she has autism.
1: At the same, like, it's not a plot point and it's not something that hinders her in any way. I think maybe that's why I picked it up or thought that way because it was like the way she was acting was like not how I usually see women acting in TV shows. That's like I couldn't quite put my finger on it, like something was different or something was not how I'm used to seeing people behave so mm. and that's good because it's like people do behave in that way and it's not a bad thing it's just it just is we still end up rooting for her and yeah loving her like lots of other characters and going into addiction it's like she the, the sensory overwhelm of things like she's almost like dulling her senses mm-hmm. in that way but i think she well she is kind of dulling her senses she says she likes to quiet her mind yeah
0: but she wants to make her mind cloudy so it's clear which is two different things, but yeah.
1: I I think that's the the problem I kind of had with the whole benzo thing because as someone with ADHD, I don't really (laughs) understand. This is just how my brain works because I take stimulants to focus. Mm. I don't understand how clouding your mind (laughs) helps you focus. That's just my mind, my brain. It's just I think that's why it took me a while to wrap my head around how – it was helping her but maybe for
0: her looking at it from a complex ptsd focus if her fight or flight response is constantly activated then having the benzos would bring it down to a a
1: calmer level (gasps) oh my god that makes sense that makes so much sense true okay so she's yeah she's in a state of relaxation therefore she can actually focus on um what she needs to focus on okay interesting love that What if, if, if she was
0: my client though, and she came into my office and I did a clinical interview with her, I probably wouldn't diagnose her with autism because of her history of trauma.
1: Well, yeah, it's already present and it's like so obvious and so linked. Yeah. I think
0: that better explains what's going on for her. And also she could be having the same symptoms. You treat them, but you treat them all the symptoms the same way anyway. But giving a diagnosis of autism in this day and age often means, oh, you've got autism, we're not going to look at your past. So that could be not helpful for her if she was getting
1: therapy. One thing I did find a problem with is when she takes her benzos at night and her visualizes the chessboard on the ceiling. I just think it was quite tacky. Um, just the way it looked. Yeah. You're not the only person who feels that way. Yeah. It's just that the whole sequence is just a bit, ugh. especially as someone who has taken benzos and been addicted to similar substances. I'm like, when the fuck does this happen? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get this. <laughs> yeah. What are we fucking hallucinating? Yeah. It's a, it's a hallucination. She's in control of it. So, and then, so she's, having an interview early on in the tv show um and the reporter suggests that she has apophenia which is finding meaningful connections between unrelated things Mm -hmm. but i think it's more of like a manifest more in like a, a physical way where you're looking at something and then you see connection there and look she may have it and that might help her be more logical and be a better chess player but i've read a lot that that's what that is manifesting the apophenia but it's like You have to actually look at something and then find a connection with it. She's literally just hallucinating. To
0: me, it's almost like that (laughs) Tetris effect. Like when I got Tetris when I was younger and then I closed my eyes after playing it all day and see Tetris. Like that's what it seems like she's doing. I see Candy
1: Crush. Well, I used to see Candy Crush. That's embarrassing. And I think it is It is. It's not supposed to be, like, actually what's happening. I think it's just giving the audience an understanding of what she's doing. Um, but I also saw an interview with a chess player. I was like, I've never done that. I've never seen that. I've never, like, been able to visualise the chessboard in that way. So I don't know. Maybe she's just, like, supernatural, otherworldly. Like, I took it as what
0: she's just imagining in her head. But
1: I, I did read a lot of
0: people who've experienced the same thing who've said, like... <sighs> That's not how it works, babe. Yeah. <laughs> it's for visual effects, whatever. Can we talk a bit about the accuracy of how her addictions develop and how she manages it? Well. What did you think was really accurate from your perspective? Actually, tell, tell us a bit about your
1: experience, Mads. As a 26-year-old, I think I just have a very addictive nature to things, uh, physically and emotionally. Let's just say that. But um, I was addicted to codeine um, for about three years. I can draw parallels with Beth in that she didn't know what she was taking and she um, developed a dependence on something after it was too late to kind of realise what was going on Um, because I didn't really know because codeine is an opiate. It's just a painkiller. When I was taking them, I didn't know what an opiate was. I didn't know that it was addictive. So I slowly built a pretty large dependence on them without realizing that I was addicted to it and for me it was I needed to take it every day and I would go to different chemists this is when you can still get codeine over the counter which is good it's not anymore but uh do miss it (laughs) um but I would go yeah you can do this thing called chemist shopping doctor shopping where you go to multiple chemists um to get the drugs Uh, So you can take more because they're only supposed to give you a certain amount. But yeah, I went through, I think I kept up the dependence because of physical dependence. So I would feel gross and yucky if I didn't take it. If I, it was like a day, if I missed taking it for a day or tried to, it was really hard to stop. But even when I had tried to wean off them and be clean I I hate that term by the way clean implies that because otherwise you're dirty if you're you're on drugs you're dirty yeah but yeah when I would try to be free from them um it would uh, would take me about like two weeks and then something bad would happen and then I'd go back to taking them so it it was a physical dependence but also a mental dependence at the same time um and this is the main thing I take issue with (laughs) in this whole show (laughs) she doesn't show any signs of withdrawal no ever I really don't understand
0: maybe that first scene in the orphanage when she's like desperate to have more
1: yeah that's the
0: only sliver
1: and there but at the same time the way she takes it she kind of like she she saves them up so she can take them all at once so it's like she's not even taking it every day yeah true um, in the beginning it's more it's more abusing rather than depending but her friend Jolene does say like we're gonna see some nervous orphans around or something she she refers to the fact that the orphans will probably be going through withdrawal because they've stopped giving it to them um and that's actually the only mention of withdrawal I can remember because if she is taking them every single day which is possible when she does stop right at the end she is she's she's gonna be fucked (laughs) yeah like but she just walks out of the oh my god hall and starts fine but i do find some parallels as well especially when she's in mexico um i remember when i was in south korea on holidays you can't get opiates over the counter in south korea um and i remember going to different chemists trying to get them and they were like no 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 just interesting like obviously it didn't It turned out differently for me because I couldn't get them and she could when she was in Mexico. Just that scene of her going around. Yeah, and trying to get some more. Yeah. I understand that it's it's positioned in a way that is increasing her ability um, and strengthening it. But then at the end... Like, she seems to be fine without them anyway, so I'm not that... Yeah, it's a bit tidy. Yeah, way too tidy. How did you find withdrawal? Like, the fucking worst thing (laughs) in the whole entire world. When I went off them, I was actually put on a drug called Suboxone. Some sort of blocker? opioid blocker yeah so it's an it's an opiate in reuptake inhibitor so it blocks the opiate receptor in your brain so you like, you don't go through withdrawal when you first start taking it and it actually stops all cravings it was the best thing mm. like just being put on that i had gone through opiate withdrawal when i tried to stop taking it on my own um, which is oh it's just fucking horrible um but then so i was on suboxone for about a year and a half and then I had to withdraw from that and that was the worst withdrawals I've ever been through it was horrible
0: do you think it would have been worse than withdrawing from the codeine or
1: it I think it was worse I'm not quite sure why but yeah it was worse for me I was, was also wasn't on antidepressants at the time which was unhelpful um but the good thing about it is that I actually pretty much it had been such a long time that my brain had I'd kind of cut that link with opiates um so I'd gotten into new habits and been a lot better
0: which is I guess why they put you on Savoxone because then rather than going through withdrawal with no other habits or new strategies to manage things you get those and then you can sort of still have a horrible withdrawal but not be as likely to go back to the
1: i was in such a pattern as well of daily like on the bus to work on the bus to uni i would plan my route around chemists mm. and everywhere i would drive everywhere i would go i was just looking out for chemists constantly <laughs> so it was it was like chemical like a chemical i think it's it's that same thing of like it's a chemical breaking that dependence but also breaking the, the habit beha- behavioral dependence whatever that means <laughs> but yes But I think my point in all of this is that it took me, like, literal years (laughs) to get to that point. And my my addiction was, on the spectrum of addictions, very not severe. (laughs) Um, And hers seems pretty severe. Pretty fucking severe. Um, Just in terms of, like, the availability of drugs. Like, um, it doesn't seem like there are many restrictions in the 60s, very widely available. She could go anywhere and get them. She's also addicted to, well, she seems to be addicted to alcohol and just seems to be addicted to getting fucked up in general. I guess in the same way that what you said to me is like
0: the the coding kind of dulled your, yourself down a little bit with your ADHD symptoms. Yes, yes. For her, she just needed something to sort of dull her.
1: Yes. Whatever that might be. I found it because I had undiagnosed ADHD and I didn't, ever feel like I could relax or sit still or be calm. Um, it was really helpful. It wasn't helpful. It was an addiction. But it, um, But like like uh, Anya says,
0: it it's helpful until it's not anymore. Yes. Like you do it yes. for a reason and it works
1: and then it stops working. It's just a bit weird, I find, the role of the drugs in the show. It's just a bit confusing. <laughs> she seems to function
0: so well with them and we're meant to believe they're very linked with her success with chess. And then she just stops
1: and, oh, it was in her all along. and She didn't need the drugs. The ending, oh, the ending, like, really, like, pissed me off a lot. Just, like, <laughs> just, just looking at it and just from experiencing, just, like, withdrawals will, can render you, like, people deal with it in different ways, but they can render you, like, immobile, and I don't, again, don't know how often she's taking them. I don't know. Maybe she isn't addicted mm-hmm. towards the end. Maybe she's just taking them when she's playing chess. But she says, like, the day or the, the day before she
0: beats Borgov, all I really want, I just want I just want the drugs. I just want the drugs. Like, I, I, I almost went down to the chemist to get some more, but I didn't, like, I think she
1: is. I think she is addicted. Yeah, yeah. She's taking them not... Not just when she, but like, and it probably goes into the fact that she's addicted to chess and she's like obsessed with it, so she wants that to get into a mind state. But one thing, I, one thing with that too is, um, I was reading an
0: article by DidYouBlanket.com, dot com, which was like really critiquing the fact that. And which is common with people with substance use is that there can be a link between something they love and and something uh, and and a drug or something that harms her. And the premise of the show is like chess and drugs are linked. Um, so often when you're withdrawing from something, you ca- you can't have one without the other. Like yes. yeah. that's why often um, smokers struggle going out and drinking because they oh, associate honey. drinking and smoking <laughs> i'm just like i wouldn't even try to out <laughs> and drink without smoking but then so it seems very entangled and then when she decides to quit the the um pills she's still happy to play chess like she yeah. sits down as soon as she's finished the match and plays chess for fun for the yeah fun yeah of it. yeah so for her to be able to just get on with playing chess seems a bit inaccurate like being able to unlink the two so easily like I'm sure you could eventually but not just immediately. Yeah,
1: but yeah, something that you do so often you it would be hard to do without. And I also I just I I know she's really good at chess and I like that the the, the message is she can play chess without it, but I it is a positive message. I find it hard to believe that she could play chess like that sober if she's been playing it high all life. Exactly. <laughs> I, just, I just, she would just be a mess. Like, she I would be like, so much
0: worse because she would be going through withdrawal and yeah, every move she would be used to
1: that move high. And if her, and if the drugs give her clarity, she is playing chess without that clarity. I don't know. It just, it looks good on paper. It does, but it's, um, would not translate to real life. No, it just doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. And I, maybe it's a, an effect of the show she's just so perfect the whole (laughs) fucking show except for that one like fucking bender we see it's maybe it's a result of that where it's like we can't see her going through a draw if she's stopped taking it because then she would not look as fucking stunning as she does (laughs) true the whole time
0: like one thing i thought was a bit weird uh, Accuracy-wise and maybe stereotype-wise is her that time where her teeth are really fucked,
1: <laughs> all of a sudden <laughs> after like two day bender and then she like a week later they're perfectly white again. But she's not doing math. She's just no unless she just doesn't brush her teeth. Maybe it might be but just from red wine. If you I don't, don't know. brush it. Oh, it could be from red wine, but it looks like she's drinking beer. I think if you don't brush your teeth, they don't go like brown. Oh, <laughs> well, you'd have to be pretty unhygienic
0: but it seems like she's taking after herself Other ways, you know it just seemed really
1: weird but even her 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 like spiral um bender is still so sexy you it know? is isn't it like, she's looking great a lot of the pictures i see in articles it's like that one of the scenes during her bender and she looks like stunning you know it's just like it's not realistic in that way she's a beautiful person and i'm sure she's incredibly stylish but It's not, it's not, it's a little bit glamorized. I'm not looking for like train spotting level drug abuse, but you know, it's just a bit too, too neat. But I guess what this show is also maybe trying to do is
0: portray a functional addiction, like the hidden sort of person
1: who you don't see and you don't see a depiction of. Yeah. Especially in my case, no one knew I was addicted to drugs. No one had any idea. Um, Mm, Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. Um, I've (laughs) moved on. But, yeah, it's actually a very good representation of that. You're right because there are a lot of people that can be addicted to drugs and you have no idea because they are high-functioning.
0: But, yeah, there are definitely those inaccuracies that we said. One thing I wanted to ask, I know you looked into this, Maz, is was it actually accurate that kids were given tranquilizers in orphanages?
1: I've obviously read a lot of articles in the past week about this like it's so good usually it's me having to read all the articles I love it (laughs) (laughs) um and almost every article I read that kind of references the drug use is like um unfortunately it did happen unfortunately it did happen unfortunately it did happen it's like I'm not gonna say that it specifically didn't happen but I think it's been a little bit overblown <laughs> about how common this was um so i was reading one of the articles actually linked me back to the original article that all these articles are referencing it's a buzzfeed news article so you know don't worry about the buzzfeed bit like it is actually like a buzzfeed's actually not a bad source for things yeah, these days and it's actually a very in-depth like it's like an investigative article about abuse in the catholic orphanage system there's one specific orphanage that someone's recounting from. But it's just, I think, pretty much talking about it generally. And, look, I can get behind that. Obviously, the Catholic system's fucked. Um, (laughs) But uh, In a nutshell. Having to do with a lot of um, abuse from the nuns and the brothers. um, But there is one instance where it talks about, I'll just read out the quote, um, as many as 5,000 children who'd previously shown normal intelligence were diagnosed as mentally handicapped. Their education ceased and they were pulled out of orphanages where they lived previously um, and moved into mental institutions. Often it was the fire ones who were shipped off at first. Some orphanage were simply rebranded as asylums and untrained nuns were elevated to the status of psychiatric nurses, armed not with just wooden paddles but with tools for treating mental illnesses in the 1950s including restraints and intravenous sedatives. Wow, that's really fucked up. But that's actually the only instance where they talk about drugs in that whole article. So they're extrapolating from that a lot more than Um, what has actually been said. And it's not to say that it didn't happen or it wasn't even widespread. There's just not that much information about it at the time. And based on the article's reports of children being forced to eat their own vomit, being dangled upside down out of windows. Fuck, (laughs) sad. Like, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. Um, beaten, sexually abused, and even murdered. Um, Beth's orphanage is a walk in a park then. Yeah, yeah, honestly. And it, it seems like a quite a, a tame environment. I'm not seeing that happening there. So um, I don't know if it was as widespread as all these articles keep saying. But that's just because I've done a lot of research. So Especially
0: from what you've said in the article there, it sounds like it was maybe no more difficult children that may yeah. have received drugs rather than just everyone to keep them all calm. Still
1: still bad. Still not good. Oh, not good at all. But yeah, it I think it did happen just and it and it could have happened in that same way. It's just like it's not as it's, it's not like, oh it definitely happened. That's the, how that's how they were. But I mean, yeah. generally
0: we don't treat children well as a as a society, no. from what I've seen.
1: <laughs> yeah, but creative license is yes. fine. Yes, yes, um, it's there for the show. It's there to be placed in the context of, especially those specific drugs being taken in the sixties. Um, so I can I can get behind it. It's just not hundred percent. Who knows? Is there anything else that you thought was a, a an accurate depiction in the show? I liked the tone of it because she was high-functioning and it showed that way. And I think that was actually very accurate um, because it's representing her as an addict but not so much um, just being as fucked up and dirty and gross and, you know.
0: Yeah, what what people sort of had the image of in their mind who haven't experienced it themselves. I thought that the sort of introduction to alcohol as a young girl was pretty accurate. It was slow and gradual. um, It's just like lots of modelling by adults until she's actually offered some and then it's like seen as like uh, it's it's fine everyone does it
1: like yeah it's normal it's pretty common i think and i actually did like the the way she well she the way she like stinks her mum's pills um <laughs> You can relate to that I can really relate to that because it didn't matter it didn't matter what it was if there was a drug in the house I'll google it and if it looked like it was some fun I would take it
0: <laughs> And do you think also and I'm not saying this from from any kind of experience of my own but her like' eventually her mum's like I've lost a lot of pills or or there's been money missing or something like that I can't remember what she says and like just that. What's the word? Just brazen, like I'll probably be get caught doing this, but I don't care, sort of thing.
1: Yeah, the uh, the ends justify the means. <laughs> um, I'm also a very impulsive person. Um, so I will do things. I don't know. She doesn't have ADHD, but yeah, I didn't ever think about the repercussions of doing that, which is weird because I also am very scared of everything. So <laughs> Isn't the brain a strange thing? It truly is. So contradictory at times. Reading more articles, a lot of people talking about the the trying the drug use to her ability is uh, mm. is problematic in that way of just seeing that like tortured genius narrative of like you can't be good at something or like no, that's not true but like. People who are really, really good at something who are also addicted, it's like, well, they wouldn't be so good without that drug. Or um, people who are really creative, like I'm just thinking, who can I think of? Mick Jagger. <laughs> okay. Mick Jagger. <laughs> Out of all uh, of the people. I don't know. <laughs> in my head. Um, what's his name? 27 Club, Nirvana. Um, Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Just that that, that tortured, like, artist who – Died from his own genius because his genius was linked to heroin, that type of thing, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, just fusing those two is, I think, a problematic because you no know, people are just talented because they're talented, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure people can draw inspiration from drugs and it can help them do things, but you know, I guess it is
0: somewhat accurate depiction of that's how people feel. Mm-hmm. Who are creatives, they kind of often believe. They need the drugs to create, uh, but that's not an accurate reality necessarily. I just want to end this section by saying it's not very accurate that a black girl from an orphanage in the 50s would be not only going to law school, have received a scholarship for college, even go to college and actually have a paralegal job. In the 60s. And
1: also, like, Beth can't even, Beth can't afford to pay for her trip to the Soviet Union, but she can, like. like, I know, like, what is, obviously she's an addict, but, like, what has she done with her money that she needs her
0: black friend to help
1: her out? It's like, I'm so for it, like, you know, it's just not accurate. Yeah. No, (laughs) it's amazing. But that's definitely not what would happen at the time. It's just a bit flippant. It's I just feel. That, that thing of like, you want, you want to see people portrayed on film, in film and TV, um, positively, and you want things to be good, but you also don't want to be so inaccurate that it just gives us a false idea of what actually happened.
0: Let's move on to stereotypes and let's just continue chatting about Jolene because obviously there's a very huge stereotype of Jolene, the character.
1: Jolene, the only person of colour who is a main character, kind of one of the only people of colour I can remember, um, just saves Beth, just turns up on her doorstep um, at the really convenient time and literally just, like, like she wouldn't be going to Russia without her. Like She literally pays for a whole trip and she's like, eh, it's chill. Just does all this work for Beth. For what? And also, like, we're supposed to believe
0: that they were very connected and, they see, like, she says, we're family. Yeah. But we, like, after she leaves the orphanage, we don't hear a peep from her. So we don't actually see that deepness that they're supposed to have. She's just, like, conveniently turns
1: up and rescues the white girl, which is it's... just a bit, ugh. Beth doesn't do any work for Jolene. She doesn't check in with her over the course of her entire life. But Jolene just shows up. And we'll just do anything for her. It's just like insanity. I think
0: that's a bit of an accuracy as well in someone so addicted and with all the mental health issues she has who also struggles with relationships. All these people just like deal with her bullshit. <laughs> don't, don't leave her alone. They're, they're still connected to her, which is
1: fantastic
0: and wonderful but also not very accurate.
1: But yeah, she really is uh... – like a black savior for Beth and it's very uncomfortable
0: it is and did you hear that quote that line in the show where she's like I'm not here to save you I'm not just rescuing you I'm just doing what family yeah would do and it's like the writers wrote that in just to be like oh that's kind of what's happening hey (laughs) I know this looks
1: bad yeah so apparently in the book, Beth and Jolene have like – I think they have a closer relationship and she doesn't just show up on a doorstep. Like they actually see each other by coincidence and then Beth asks for her help, which maybe they should have just fucking done that. Um, maybe they yeah. were cutting it down for time or whatever. But, yeah, writing-wise, they could have – just it's 2021, honestly. Like for a show that this big and so popular, it's like let's not like put the burden of this white – Privilege, well she's not privileged she's had a hard life but like you know on this black orphan's shoulders
0: you know but i'm sure she wouldn't have got to where she was if she was not a white person what other problematic stereotypes did you find in this show besides the the whiteness of it
1: the drugs and intelligence and drugs being connected to genius is frustrating i guess she's not an artist but she is Playing a game, which is Arty. You could say the same for like, you know, swimmers and steroids and stuff. Uh it detracts from her genius. And I guess at the end we learned that she can do it without it. Um, she just should be going through withdrawals <laughs> during that game. Um, it kind of does tie up a little bit, but it's just a bit it's just very common. Too tidy. Yeah. I think
0: that stereotype of being, as you said, like the tortured genius is also like true of mental illness and intelligence. Yes. So oh like God, in yes. – Hopefully you listen to it. Uh, in the Donnie Darko episode we talked about that stereotype, that trope of the really, really smart person with extreme mental illness um, and that being linked and it being it can be quite uh, unhelpful to people with mental illness that aren't super intelligent. Yeah. They're just regular Joes. That can be – not helpful.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like this a tying of like six like you to, to to be really successful, or really good at something, you need to have a shitty fucking life. Um, I think we see that quite a bit.
0: The other way around too, like um, to be the best, you have to have shitty mental health. Like you shouldn't look after yourself; you just gotta
1: yeah yeah run yourself through the ringer. We only really get much evidence of like during her bender, but like she'll put herself through shit. But it doesn't matter if the goal is to be achieved. And I think that just goes into society a little bit because we reward people who achieve, like, really great things um, and it's expected that you just have to kill you, like, not kill yourself, but you have to put yourself – like, you have to go through so much. You have to put your body through so much and you have to just – Yeah, it's a lot of pressure.
0: There's probably a pretty high link. I haven't looked at anything about it, but between, like, famous – sports players or people that have achieved stuff and mental illness because of the extreme pressure to
1: Yeah. Live up to those expectations. And it's stuff. kind of like if I'm not prepared to put my body and my brain through hell, I guess I won't be successful. It's shit. I mean you gotta work hard, but Yeah. Gotta have balance. Gotta have balance.
0: I uh, really hate the beautiful sad girl. It's a trope that's in movies and T V shows all the time. Like yeah. you're supposed to be ugly in the book, which would make more sense. But as uh, one of the best crazy ex girlfriend songs. She's in like a, a sexy French depression. You know, it's it's very attractive to be just so sad and mysterious and it's a bit glamorized.
1: It's a little bit like Virgin Suicide Z as well. Like I wouldn't call her specifically like Twee. She gives me Twee vibes. Uh a little bit, but it's just that like that romance of being sad and alone. She always she has those really like intense looks.
0: Those doe eyes and <laughs> Yeah. Try and break through to me, see if you can. Like, it's
1: not her fault. She's pretty.
0: <laughs> it's not her fault. And like, if I was Anya and I was that pretty, and they offered me this role, I'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah.
1: But it is. It's very choreographed, and it and it's. I think that's. I think that's has a lot to do with why people like it so much because it's mesmerizing because she is so stunning, and everything is just just so. Like honestly, just so. <laughs> yeah. On the topic of like that sexuality as well.
0: Like, her promiscuity? Like, I assume they're trying to make us think she's very promiscuous.
1: Yeah, I actually didn't. I think because it goes into how she interacts and how she acts, I didn't mind that she slept with a lot of people. Well, seems like she slept with a lot
0: of people. But my concern is what they're trying to say about it. Like, are they trying to say that, oh, she just fucks lots of people. She's doing risky things. Because she's
1: kind of reckless. Yeah,
0: she's reckless and she's just... Yeah, having sex. Oh, I just thought of something. The only time it actually impacts her life is when they allude to having sex with Cleo.
1: I also didn't get that from when I watched it. <laughs> I didn't realise. Well, she was in the bed.
0: They could have just fallen asleep, but I feel like they were queer baiting
1: a little bit. I'm just like, yeah, they're good friends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's probably true, but I read it as they're sort of hinting that they had sex, which is also dumb because like suddenly she's bi. Okay. There was
1: no hint of that before now. In the in the context of a, of a TV show or a movie, like someone being in someone's bed, they're putting it there to, lead us to the conclusion that they had sex. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're trying to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. It's really interesting that character Cleo, there is a fan theory, a conspiracy theory, that she she's like a, a sleeper. No, she's not a sleeper agent, but she's like working for the Soviet Union and she was planted in Paris to make Beth... Like, lose the tournament? Get fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she'd be really hungover um, and do it. This is, like, this whole fucking theory about it and that... Because um, she just kind of shows up unexpectedly and she doesn't have much of a backstory. So maybe Soviet spy, who knows? Speaking of Soviet, what, what how did you oh. think their
0: depiction of Soviet Russia was?
1: Interestingly, I think it may have been too good. <laughs> really? Too good? It was an article written by a Russian... Was it the Moscow Times or something? Um, And they talk about how Russian people didn't necessarily like the way it was depicted because they're so used to being the bad guys in um, TV shows that they're like, oh, this isn't right. Well, they weren't, like,
0: great. Like, she needed all this protection to go there and stuff.
1: And that is almost, like, that's very of the time and probably pretty accurate. I do wonder, though, if, like, a very small
0: Russian boy pushes around a cart of vodka when you go out for dinner i know it's so stereotypical
1: that seems really stereotypical to me but like it kind of reminded me a lot of being in north korea everyone had been to north korea shut up about it like the, the architecture and just the way everything is especially not being able to leave your room leave your hotel not go anywhere without a guide or like go anywhere without um someone seeing you but it was it's not it's not too bad it's interesting to you like because there is this massive culture in russia um and the soviet union with chess um and how i think a lot of chess players a lot of russian chess players are like insane and it it kind of goes <laughs> i was reading something it kind of goes to the um the individualism um versus collectivism thing of kind of like capitalism and communism because it's all very individualistic in the way that beth Um, has her rise. But they're all, I don't know, but then they, at the end when they kind of work together to beat Borgov or whatever with uh, Benny and fucking his friends, um, it's like they work in a collective way and that's what's good. I don't know. Some bullshit. Oh,
0: I see. I see.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it was actually, and at the end, like Bogov, um, he's actually like really gracious. Yeah. Um, like, I like her a hug and his smile. Um, Probably inaccurate, but I like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's inaccurate in that way. But yeah, because Russians are, especially Soviet Union Cold War stuff are usually just horrible, like portrayals in yeah. American media. Yeah. Um, it was interesting that it, they didn't go that route, which was nice. It's very refreshing.
0: Going back to queerness as well, like towns, I, I kind of already discussed what I wanted to about him, but USA Today called him in their review her magical gay friend who surprised her by making the trip. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny.
1: Oh, there's actually another uh, theory that he's, like, a, a Russian plant or something, because he shows up all the time. He, d- I d- he did seem to show up. <laughs> he did, he weirdly, he when I did not expect good. him to. But I don't know why he would show up at the end when, like, they were, like, <laughs> know, what was he going to do? Yeah, it seems a little bit too deep.
0: It didn't really go anywhere, too. Like, it didn't really need to be a plot.
1: I like that she, she did, at the end, she didn't have, like, a love interest and, like, one specifically – and, you know, someone to – she kind of had Jolene to come and save her instead of a man, I guess. I do think that another thing that
0: subverts a stereotype is that she actually has a really good experience with her foster parents. Like, yeah. not the greatest, but most sadly in the foster care system more kids get abused the more they're in it. Um, she didn't get abused. No, she
1: didn't. Uh, her... I, I think I could definitely say she doesn't get abused. No, and her foster father is a dick, but – um. He, she does have a genuinely good relationship with her mother and I think that's really nice.
0: Yeah, it was really nice to see. Everything is usually a really negative experience um, in shows and TV shows, so it was nice to see something a bit different.
1: And, like, everything else just seemed, especially at that point, I was watching I was like, this is, like, just one bad thing after another. I was like, fuck.
0: When you watch a show where so many bad things happen, it mm. gets really draining, so it's nice yeah. to see some positives.
1: <laughs> yeah. Looking at the show, like, taking a step back, Everything fucks up for her but she just seems to everything works out in the end and i it just gets a bit repetitive after a while.
0: It is a nice depiction to see a woman succeeding.
1: Oh, of course. At something it's, that's very male dominated. It's kind of not realistic. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> it's very unrealistic. Especially at the time it's it's, a, it's it's over um ambitious honestly but it's 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 great. It's great. I was reading
0: a quote by the Washington Post, and the reviewer is saying that it's nice to see her like climb to success uninterrupted by sexism, and having all the men in the in the show actually looking out for mm. the female character, yeah, and not like trying to fuck her over,
1: which is nice. It's kind of like it's it's almost it has to take place in a parallel universe because just I hate men so much. <laughs> they're the worst. <laughs> Sorry. But your dad's a man. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> but yeah, at the end, her male friends are helping her and they all just like seem like genuinely sweet, lovely people, and that's really nice.
0: Yeah, no one actually, like, that I can recall, apart from maybe not asking before they kiss her,
1: no one really goes against her. Once at the beginning like those twins they kind of make fun of her and i think that's it like that they're, they're kind of all like a bit standoffish and kind of like ugh about it but after that initial being opposed to her they all seem to come around to her pretty quickly even her fucking biggest competitor Borgov.
0: but i think if she wasn't good at chess they would hate her yeah like true. they would
1: be sexy that's very true it's because she's so good at what she does that people like her and it's like that case of, like, in all these shows where a woman is subverting a norm, they're exceptional at what they're subverting.
0: Yes. I was trying to explain this to Michael recently. Like, if you're a female and you are going against the norm and you're creating something that's popular, mm. there's so much more pressure on you to be just the best at yeah. it. Like, yeah. Like, not make any mistakes. And as soon as they make a
1: mistake, they get, like, taken down so many pegs. Yeah. And it's like she couldn't just be like a, a good chess player. She had to be the best chess player for everyone to be like, yeah, I accept you. We accept you. Yeah, exactly. You have to go and beat the best person in the
0: world. Before we finish up with stereotypes, um, as we were saying before, the drug addict stereotype is hugely subverted in this show. And I, when I was looking up articles – for this show, I came across a lot of blogs for recovery hospitals and stuff like facilities, which is really kind of cute. Like they're like,
1: "Oh, this show is out." They were they're almost like those short of little snippets of being like, "Just on Queen's Gambit." Like this is this is what this means.
0: Come to our facility if you need some help. It's a good link. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and this one called Sandstone Care. Their blog um, had a a cute quote that I liked. Um, Cute minimizes it. A very good quote. (laughs) And they say, High-functioning addicts are typically very intelligent and driven people who struggle with substance abuse but do not fit the quote-unquote addict stereotype. The reality is that addiction can have many faces, from the homeless meth addict to the VP who quietly downs several drinks at night. High-functioning addicts can be hard to spot and may be able to sustain an apparently quote-unquote normal life for years. They can maintain grades in school, achieve goals in their careers, and in Beth Harmon's case, perform at the highest level in their craft without showing signs of substance use. And I totally – I just think we need more focus on that too because – Society is so focused on punishing people who are addicted to all sorts of things. Yeah, and and it's just not helpful. <laughs> we need to focus more on acceptance and support and and not making it so stigmatized. Yeah,
1: and it is it is as much as I bitched and moaned about her drug abuse, like drug use, and and how it's inaccurate. Um, the fact that we do see someone who is clearly dependent and addicted to something be really good at what she does is it's good Mm. and she's not she's not bad and wrong because of it because so often being addicted to something um is seen as a bad thing or you're a bad person or you've done the wrong thing it's like yeah it's like you individually yeah have fucked up yeah when it's it's not. It's not that you're doing the wrong thing or a bad thing. It's that you need help and you do certain things for a reason. It's got nothing to do with not being a good person.
0: And that's a really important thing and I think one thing I I guess we'll get to with helpful or harmful, but it's a shame they don't focus more on her trauma. Like she just drops the drugs, she's happy. Like, But what about the years of neglect and emotional abuse that you've had in your life? We need to treat addiction for what's actually behind it, not Yeah.
1: Because she has stopped taking the pills, but she's not gonna be happy <laughs> if if well, she she might have that nice moment of walking down the street, yeah. but she's still gonna have all that trauma and she's still gonna have she's gonna have all those underlying issues. And that was especially in my case, it's like it's not about a, a physical dependence but a mental dependence and a feeling that you need something to feel better. And and even winning the tournament too, like okay,
0: she's the queen, she's done She's done it, now what? Now, like, h- how is she going to beat
1: that, like, that perfectionism? I think Queen's Gambit 2, Beth Harmon, is fucked. <laughs> 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 yeah, she probably, like, her life post that massive event is probably not so great because she's never going to reach that high of being the best person in the world. And then she's going to be, like, super rich and famous now. She's going to have more access to drugs and alcohol. I think she's not going to be happy. That's my hot take. And, like, her life
0: has been defined by achieving this goal. Now she's achieved it.
1: Yeah.
0: And she's, like, what, 22?
1: I don't know. Like, 14.
0: (laughs) And I guess now we kind of understand why people, maybe a little bit, people who were grandmasters in chess had, like, fell into such deep depressions
1: it also just like doesn't seem like much fun i think that's what i struggle with this show like at times i found it kind of boring and unfun she doesn't seem to be having any fun i guess it's not really it's more than a game (laughs) it's a way of life
0: so let's finish off with whether it's helpful or harmful i guess i'll start with what's helpful about it without trying to repeat ourselves too much as we've just said, I think it's helpful to see a depiction of a smart, young, pretty woman mm-hmm. being addicted to something that we don't often see. Like, it's a very common addiction.
1: Yeah, and I like that it's a prescription drug as well because it's um, – I think we're getting to know more about prescription drugs now, but mm. when you think of a drug addict in film and television, it's not often a prescription. It's something, like, crack.
0: <laughs> yeah. Something – Less obtainable.
1: Yes, yes. And it's less, like, precision drug abuse is so common. One of
0: the Recovery Centre blogs I read from Mountainside in America was saying, like, they like that the show shows that strength comes from sobriety. Like, you can win despite drugs. Yes. Which I guess is what the show was trying to say at the end. Yeah. And could be seen as a helpful message. It's just not realistic. But you also have to work at it. But
1: anyway. Yeah, I think it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good message. and yeah, It's like, you don't need this to succeed but it's not it's not that original of a message honestly
0: it could have been done in a more um realistic less tokenistic way Mm -hmm. i hear you uh i thought it was a helpful kind of depiction of like fragile male egos like the ones who are beaten by her like how that some of them don't deal with it very well and yeah. others do. Like in Russia, some is like so humiliated. Oh, yeah, they stand up and they're so cranky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's that really scruffy dude who just like was
1: like, you are the best player I've seen. Like yeah. he's just so happy. He reminded me of like Karl Marx. That's who I saw. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: you make Karl. <laughs> yeah, he was sweet. I love Karl.
0: I was also just bloody helpful for the chess industry
1: and getting people off their bloody phones. Yeah, I, mean, I think um, the next movie should be like a solitaire movie because I love solitaire. <laughs> Settlers of Catan. Oh, well, But, yeah, I liked that she also, she was actually very non-emotional compared to the men who seemed to be quite emotional. Yeah, that is so true. And we do, we often see women being emotional and she just seems a bit more in control of herself just in control in general yeah and that's nice to see a woman portrayed that way what is harmful okay if you put it this way if you were someone who you're not actively seeking an addiction but the 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 thought of taking a prescription drug taking a benzo every day and not realizing that you can go through intense withdrawals I think is actually very dangerous because I don't know. You have to be quite impressionable and probably not know much about drugs in general, but a lot of people don't, though. Yeah, no, truly, Um, that's mean of me to say, but um, yeah, I just don't think it's. I think. But you were one of those people when you first. Of course, I definitely was. Okay, sorry. No, um, but I think it is a little bit irresponsible in that way for a show that has been watched by so many people, Mm. um, and that was so popular. And I, I had a lot of people like coming up to me at work. Asking to buy like chess sets and stuff, and I was like, "I'm sorry." Um, <laughs>
0: From Daiso.
1: Yeah, we don't sell them here. I do know where they are. They're a bit more expensive than three dollars eighty. I would love that your kids love the Queen's Gambit, but yeah, like little, like you know, like teenagers, stuff like that. So if you if you're not aware of how debilitating the withdrawals can be, it's not it's not that good.
0: I think that's my biggest problem with this show. Like, there's you could be very enticed to take tranquilizers, especially with that hallucination. If you think that that's going to happen, like it's it's a very clear, positive, helpful experience, that
1: could be very damaging. Especially if the if you were to Google what drug she takes, it's not even a real drug. Which is probably why
0: they did that, so that people that you know sales for. Valium
1: don't go through the roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's very true. But I'm sure this is like a doctor's nightmare, like people <laughs> going in being like, I really – What does Beth have? I want those. <laughs> yeah, honestly. But, yeah, it's a little bit irresponsible in that way.
0: I guess this just some of the the fact that she doesn't go through withdrawal could take away a lot of the seriousness of addiction. And yeah. reading some articles, a lot of people were quite hurt by – just the fact that she just walks out and she's cool yeah it's just Um, it's
1: just lame it really
0: minimizes how much work goes into it into recovery
1: the thing i did have to say about the soviet russia was that she is on the way to the airport and then she just gets to stop and get out of the car and start talking to people on the street (laughs) that is like she would be shot (laughs) like i don't know if she'd be shot but like that's just she could not have done that I would have been so terrified if I was her. Oh, yeah. look, I don't know specifically, but I just, the the whole situation in the Cold War is like, you can't just go out and just walk freely around these cities. It's like. True, true. It was a lovely picturesque ending, but, you know.
0: I think just lastly, how her being a strong person is seen as her winning. Mm. And maybe it was intentional not showing her going through withdrawal because that might make her be seen as weak.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But what Harper's Bazaar said, there's always these really great reviews in like Fashion magazines. <laughs> There's a missed opportunity to show Beth reclaim her own genius by doing the hard work and rewarding work of disentangling it from her addiction. Yeah. So, you know, seeing her actually go through and recover would actually show her being even stronger to me.
1: Yeah. Like, we had her little bender spiral and then she did a little bit of work, but like. And then Jolene saved her. It was fine. Yeah. But like, she could have spent like half an hour going through a fucking montage or some bullshit of just her going through a drool. Getting back into it. Screaming baby crawling on the on the roof. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> but, like, it, it wouldn't have taken that long for us to see that. It didn't have to be, yeah,
0: mass, like a whole episode worth, but, yeah.
1: would have liked to see her actually go through some kind of withdrawal instead of just her being hung over, like, twice. Like, it's just not realistic. Even at, like, when she's staying with
0: Benny and she's supposed to be sober the whole time. Yeah. She may as well be drunk for all we know.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. the same. But, like, she did all that hard work then. Like, that would have been a perfect opportunity. I don't know. It's like we spent that much time just, like, saying it. That would have been a great her. montage. Yeah. I, ugh, I wish I directed that montage. <laughs> I'll direct it in my head. What what song would it be? Dirty Work by Steely Dan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's recap our final score. So, lived experience. I, I, I kind of give it props for it being based on a true experience, but... Maybe needed a bit more from the actual people in the sh- in the show.
1: I wonder how, it, how how recovery goes in the book if the author was also um, addicted to benzos or whatever, barbitol.
0: Yeah, I wonder if people creating the show had more lived experience, maybe they would have focused on that more.
1: Maybe. Maybe we're just be pedantic. Nah. But, yeah, I like that aspect of it um, that it's actually at least coming from a place of some experience. Accuracy.
0: There were some inaccuracies, pretty much with recovery. Yes,
1: I. The thing is, I wish I was better at chess, so I would actually know. <laughs> we could do a whole podcast about that. <laughs>
0: but we've managed to do a whole podcast, and not mention the actual game of chess. Yeah, so
1: <laughs> I'm sure there's like a bunch of like, people being like, she should. She, there's no way she would have done that move.
0: <laughs> it's interesting though; they actually did proper moves in the show. It was it was critiqued on how well they do actually play a chess game, and oh, compared sure. to other sh- movies and shows. Like they did a good chess game, whereas other ones, it's like that's not a move.
1: But we're not here to talk about the accuracy of chess. <laughs> Don't care about that. Um, her mental illness, aside from the drugs, it seems, isn't portrayed too badly. No, I agree. Um, yeah. In terms of accuracy, it's just it's not the mental illness itself; it's the way it manifests, which doesn't seem to be quite accurate I think it manifests pretty
0: accurately too it's just um the actual experience she has with the drugs and
1: off the drugs that is inaccurate I think because uh, like the way she um acts as a child in terms of like dealing with her trauma seems to be like a like an accurate portrayal I'm not a psychologist but you are. Well, actually she doesn't deal with her trauma at all, but <laughs> no, she doesn't. I mean like the way she acts as a person who would have gone through that trauma.
0: Um, so points, but some negatives.
1: Yeah. There. Yeah. Stereotypes. It subverts a few but also creates a lot. The it's a nice subversion of her being a female. <laughs> That's a good sentence. Um the the aspect of her being a woman in chess—it's great, um, but in the mental illness side of it, it's pretty stereotypical. Yeah, I think um,
0: there's definitely some fresh takes on addiction, but also other things around it. There's some stereotypes. Helpful or harmful? Where do you think it? On the balancing scale of between helpful and harmful, which which way is it tilting?
1: I think it's almost. It's. I think it's leaning towards the harmful side, especially like just considering what I just – consider what I just said about the um, people who might not understand how addictive these drugs can be. Yeah. That is harmful, I feel. But at the same time, what I was saying about her, poss- her being coded as autistic I think is helpful. The Maybe the idea that you can go through some really terrible shit in your life but still succeed is helpful. Um, certain aspects are helpful and certain aspects are harmful, I think. But I just – the drug thing just is – it niggles at me. I feel like it's a little bit irresponsible. So I put it more on the harmful side.
0: Yeah. I think it depends on who's watching. Yes.
1: Whether it could be helpful or harmful. Someone who's
0: been through it, helpful. Someone who hasn't and is maybe considering trying some drugs. Yeah. Probably harmful. So out of four, I think I would
1: give it like – I don't know – I'm still on the fence. I'd give it two out of four. Yeah, I was thinking two as well. I was thinking two as well because it does – it is positive. There's some really good shit in it. It's but. really helpful and then it's harmful. <laughs> That's what we've been saying. So it's help, It's a helpful, harmful TV show.
0: Thank you, Maz, for discussing Queen's Gambit with me. That's all
1: right. It's been my pleasure. It's been my absolute fucking pleasure. It wasn't – I really enjoyed the show, so – It was a good excuse to watch it.
0: Yeah, it was. It was a. It confirmed that when I watch something for the for the podcast, it doesn't mean I'm going to not enjoy it. Yeah, because I did enjoy watching this one. It was nice. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like what you hear. Please don't forget to rate and review on whatever podcast app you're using. It'll help us get out there more. And subscribe to the podcast as well. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All the things. And throw us some bones on Patreon if you have some bones spare. (laughs) See you next time. Thanks, Maz. Thank you. Bye. Bye. It's another plane. What the fuck is with planes tonight?